Good morning. Today's reading is from Malachi 1, verses 6 through 8. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind, anim- when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Zach. Um, We're going to dive into our time together this morning. So if you have a copy of God's word with you, would you go ahead and turn with me in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. We'll be in that through chapter 2, verse 9. If you don't have a copy of God's word with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up so we can get you one? Okay, we want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's word. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Malaquías, capítulo 1 a 2. And again, as I said, this is a gift to you, okay? If you don't have a copy of God's Word of your own, um, please keep this as our gift to you to read and understand and be shaped and transformed by the renewing of our minds and hearts through through God's Word. And um, as I pray, I want to get into it pretty quickly because we've got a lot ahead of us this morning. And um, if you've been with us, if you're here last week, we just started a new series, and um, we're in week two of that. And again, it's in Malachi. It's a short series. We're in it for six weeks. Then we'll be in a, n- another series for about six weeks, um, and then we'll have Easter, and then we'll get into John. And um, kind of w- warning is this sermon series is titled, um, A Burdensome Message from the Lord. And it's called that because um, it means kind of two parts. And so in the very beginning in chapter 1, of verse, verse 1 of chapter 1, it says, The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Malachi means messenger. That's what his name means. And then oracle is not the best translation because it's really, again, a burden, a burdensome message. And it's, mean, it's called that for two reasons. One is you've got to deal with it. Okay. Again, as I shared last week, picture um, you're driving into a street that's all of a sudden been flooded by the monsoon rains. You can't just kind of go through and just kind of ignore or pretend it's not there. You've got to deal with it in some way. And, and so it's that. And it's also for the messenger for Malachi, it's a burden, and there's, there's a weight to what he's sharing, and that's true as we get into our time together this morning, and, and, and the, the title of this one is Full Surrender, and there's, just like last week, and we'll continue in actually two weeks, this theme of coming before God's Word, and it's weighty. It is burdensome, and next week, we're not going to be in Malachi, we're going to take a break um, as we go into two services and stuff, in part um, because, actually, I want to be able for us to give enough um, weight 
and to, to sit under what God is saying. And as it's our first one out of the gates next week with two services, we don't want to want to compromise, you know, getting into uh, when we talk about the seriousness of marriage and God calling out his people for mishandling m- marriage. And so that's where we'll be in two weeks. Again, next week will be a standalone. Um, but again, this week, let's, let's come before God with expectancy and, um, and prayer that he will speak to us this morning. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that, that even as I prepare each week to, to, to preach to this congregation that I'm so blessed to be a part of, that you not only speak to me um, or speak through me, but speak to me. And Lord, I feel the weight of your word this morning. And, and, and I, there is a freedom in knowing that I don't have to come up with catchy, cute things to give to all of us each week to kind of make us feel good or feel better, Lord, that, that I know that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever, and that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword and is profitable for teaching and for rebuke and for exhortation in all of life. And so, Lord, we pray that we would in turn be, be, be shaped and, and transformed as your people, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, as Zach just read some of, it begins there. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you? O priests who despise my name, but you say... How have we despised your name? So this statement and then question is a theme. Each, each week for the six weeks that we're in this series, we'll have that. And it's, it's, it's known as a disputation. It's, um, again, the, the root word you can see there is a dispute or a debate. And it's God makes a statement and then the people challenge it and question it. God says something and then the people in return say, well, how? And last week, God said, I love you. And the people in turn, God says, hate him or despise him, right? The the song doesn't work as well when you sing it that way. I love you. You hate me. (laughs) We're a happy family. This is reality, right? It doesn't feel as good, but that's the reality of the relationship and the dynamic between God and his people. God says, I love you. And the people say, how do you love me? And God says, well, I've chosen you. I've made you my own. That's where we were last week. God's unconditional electing love. And then this week, God says, but you don't love me. In fact, you despise me and my name. What that means, my name is not just God. Like, oh, I don't really like the word God, so I choose something else. Some of us actually do that. That's kind of a, a trend or a theme. I don't, I don't really like saying God or, you know, Jesus. I kind of come up with something else, some other phrase. That's, though, that's, we'll kind of get into that. Um, the bigger problem is when God says you despise my name, he means you hate who I am. You don't like that I'm God. You don't like that, that, that God is sovereign over all, and in turn, you don't like who you are as image bearers or created by God. God says, you despise me. And this theme that comes up is the people again say, well, how? And, and kind of hear like 
Kiwi Herman, for those of us who are older, like, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? Right? This kind of like annoying, monotonous kind of response that's like, well, prove it. Prove it. Right? Some of us have friends like that. You call them out on something? When? Prove it. Kind of shoulder shrug. And there's, there's this posture of I don't really want to know. I don't really want to be educated. I don't really want to learn. I'm just going to not believe you at every turn along the way. And that's what happens here. And God says, well, I'm going to show you or I'm going to prove your lack of love for me by revealing to you or by reminding you that you have insincere worship and pathetic giving. You're not fully surrendered to me as my people, says God, because you have insincere worship and pathetic giving. And so that's the theme as we now pick up in the second part there of verse 6. God says, by offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, how have we polluted you? Again, there's that theme, right? That, well, how? Well, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And then um, down in verse 12, don't worry, we'll come back. But down in verse 12, this theme continues, but you profane it, that's God's name, when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet has sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. What's the big deal here? Like, so we buy our steaks at Fry's and not like the butcher, you know, not the, not the, the cool meat shop where, you know, with all the good ones. Or better yet, we save those ones, right? We buy steaks. It's still a steak, but we get some at Costco for me is like top shelf. Those are the best, right? Just, that's kind of where I'm from. But, um, but, right, but still, okay, so it's Fry's or somewhere else. Like, so you, you, in this idea, it sounds like here, it's like, so what's the big deal? Like, you save the best you know, for certain things, and you still bring an offering, but it's these. Well, verse, um, verse 14 there says, well, it's this idea. Well, you pretend one thing. You say that you have the very best, and you vow it. You say that's what you're giving. You say God is most important, right? God, is, God deserves my best, but in reality, you bring just kind of second, third, fourth. You, you bring your leftovers, to God. Again, what's the big idea for us? We think like, because now we need to do some work every time. We can't just quickly go to our day. We need to understand in their day, right? Animals was everything for them. Their crops, right? These are, this is an agrarian and agricultural society. They had crops. They had animals. And so when you bring an animal to God, it's not just because like animals are nice and you're going to give something that you kind of care about like no you brought what your livelihood what your dependence what your hope your social status everything your future your your what you would leave 
to your children. All of that is what you're, and so you're bringing something as an offering, and it's meant to remind you that God is your provider and that he is your ultimate provision, that God not only provides for you by giving you other things, but ultimately, most foundationally, he gives himself. And so coming with a sacrifice, in this case, again, you're a farmer, you, you have all these animals, and, and he says, no, pick your very best, not only because it's to remind you that God deserves your very best, but ultimately God is your provider and he's your provision. And again, if we just try to copy and paste in our day, it's hard to do, right? Because like we have some animals in our house, and, and if we were told, hey, you have to bring an animal, we would most likely, we have a couple fish, right? We'd probably bring one of the fish. Okay, well, no, step it up, up your game a bit, right? Well, we also have a hermit crab that we think is alive, but we're not sure. It's a hermit, right? It hides. But we also don't always feed it. We don't know. Um, so we have not always the best stewards of, you know, oversight with animals and things like that in our house. Some of you guys know my relationship with our dog, like... I'd be a little sad. It'd be hard, but okay, fine, Sherman. <laughs> right, but seriously, like myself, there's a lot of other things that I depend on that our lives are, are shaped by, are empowered by, that if called to offer, it would be a real struggle. So understanding that as we enter in here to their story, we now think, what is God doing? Why does he care so much? He's confronting the greed in his people. Well, why? Because he doesn't want them to be greedy? Yes. Okay, but also because greed steals. Because God created us in love. He created us to depend on him, to have a relationship with him. The very best thing for us is to know that God is enough. That trusting God is the best way to live life. That, that, that finding identity and purpose and fulfillment from God and God alone is who we're made to be. So settling for anything less would be really unloving of God to just turn a blind eye to. So he calls out his people. He says, I love you too much. I care for you too much. You think you are surrendered to me, but you're not. You actually despise me and my name. Again, name means Again, consider God's part of his name, his character. He's creator. He's sustainer. He's provider. And when we say one thing but do another, we're questioning, we're despising. God, you don't really provide. I'm going to skirt on my taxes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of work the system a bit. I'm going to withhold a couple things that you call me to offer up freely to you because I don't really trust that you're the provider Maybe I'm actually a better provider for myself, for my family. And then look here in this. I also want to point out later in verse 13, he says, you bring what has been taken by violence. In, that, in their context, it would mean like this. I used to live in Arkansas for a while, and um, you know, hunting was a big deal there. Like We actually got out of school for like the opening of deer season and things like that, and I moved there from San Diego. So I had a little bit of culture shock. But, um, you know, I took the day off with everyone else. And if, if like someone showed back up with like roadkill, you know, it would be obvious like, dude, you didn't, you didn't earn that. You just drove over it. Like, or what also comes to mind for me is a couple of months ago, I heard this whining outside our window and my wife discovered, I can't own it. Like I went around, my wife discovered a hawk 
eating a dove right outside our bedroom window. And it was whining. I didn't know that doves whined. But there was, there was this whining, and that's the picture, okay? That's something taken by violence. So imagine for like, sweet loophole, we can keep our own chickens, and we'll just take this dove and kind of, you know, clean it up a little bit. Dumb and dumber comes to mind for any of us, like, remember? Pretty bird, like, tape the head back on or something. But that's what's going on here. These people are coming to holy God and saying, here's our offering." right? A dove with a head taped back on it or something like that. Something taken by violence and pretending like it's genuine and real. That's what kind of dishonest worship we're talking about here. And so what does this look like in our day, in our time? Okay, I have a a slide here to help us break through our own bringing of our offerings before God. It's the same in that day as it is in our day. When we offer to God, there's a sense of bringing our time, our treasure, and our talents. Well, what does that look like? What does this mean? Okay, our time. Okay, we're talking about serving, right? Serving here as a church, doing things. It's not just coming here on Sunday morning, but coming here at the school to help serve, to help paint the bathrooms that are now closed right now, right? Like serving, getting our hands dirty, giving of our time, giving again on Sunday morning, opening our home for redemption community. I know that some of you host, even though you don't lead, you say, oh, we can, we can open our home. God has blessed us with a home. We want it to be used. We're not in a place or a stage right now in life where we can lead, but we can open our home in this way. And, and that, that kind of thing, our time. And, and, and God has reminded me this weekend of the value of our time. We're in the middle of the Fort Lowe shootout. Some of you know what that is. Um, some of you will know what that is. All right. We have a lot of young families here. Get ready. Okay, the Fort Lowe Shootout's the biggest soccer tournament that Tucson hosts, and it comes to town. I know I've talked to Torrance about it. That was his game um, growing up and has all the trophies and stuff to, you know, prove it. And it's really fun and exhausting for parents. Rain or shine, they're doing this thing. And it's really easy to think, you know what, um, we're kind of all in right there right now. We're going we're gonna to skip out on this or that. We're not going to go do this. We're not going to, God, we're, we're doing enough. And again, there's some really good football games. Man, even as I say this, I'm convicted. My kid's soccer game is the same time as the Chiefs-Titans game, which I really, really want to see. I'm all about Patrick Mahomes. I love how he talks, and he's a great player. And so it's like, I, we're going to miss those things. But we can get so caught up in that that then, as we think about it, giving to others. Someone needs a ride home. Someone, um, maybe, hey, I've got to go to my kid's game. I'd love to go, but um, I, I, can't, I can't not go to that. But you, you want to come with me, right? And then is, I mean, are you kind of picking up where I'm at right now? It can, that's a challenge. Well, man, if I'm there and I've got someone else with me, I was going to kind of watch my kid's game while also watching the score. And I didn't really want to be in a conversation during that time. And like our time is valuable, right? Our treasure Our finances, yes, it's our finances, but it's also other things. But but just how honestly right now, we've got tax season, right? Tax returns are about to start coming. Or we're aware like Christmas just happened in in many cases. We thought, well, you know what? I'm not going to give in December because it's, you know, Christmas and all. And I'll pick back up where it is in January. And then we get our first credit card bill in January. And it's like, oh, shoot, maybe, you know, 
April. You know, it's, it's coming around maybe once my tax return comes, once this, and there's, there's this posture of, again, giving God our leftovers and our talents. What would, I don't have a lot of talents, but I, the one that comes to mind is if preaching, right? Not that preaching's a talent or something, but I was thinking about what would this look like? How do I handle preaching week in and week out and how is that different if all of a sudden I get invited to preach at some, you know, mega church? Am I going to handle that differently? Oh, you know, these are my people. We're, we take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. I don't have time to get in this, but sometimes we use that in such a way that's actually saying, I don't really take Jesus that seriously. <laughs> By even saying it, it's like, well, I actually really take myself seriously. I can be flippant. I can do whatever I want, and I'm going to slap this phrase onto it to act like I take Jesus seriously. But in turn, what we're actually doing is not really taking him that seriously. If I give my best efforts to, again, some other church that God hasn't called me to steward my gifts and talents and to pastor well, what am I saying? And all these different ways, hopefully we see our time, our treasure, and our talents, God calls us to give. Why? Because he's needy? Because God's God's um, kind of hard up and he needs our mo- money? No, because it is a blessing, just like with his people. It is good for, in that context, for the, the farmer to remember, your hope is not found in how many cattle you have or how good your cattle are. In fact, bring your best one as an offering to remember my grace toward you, my undeserved favor toward you, that you have a relationship with me, says God. God has chosen his people, and that we can give as a reminder that our, our, our ultimate identity and purpose and life is found in him and in him alone. It's a gift. We grew up in a, in a pretty poor church, again, in Arkansas. It was a, it, the church had very few resources, one paid pastor. Most people were bivocational or, or volunteer. And multiple times we walked out, someone kind of a deacon, one of the deacons would kind of tap my older brother and I on the shoulder and call us out and then would say, hey, hey, help us put these in your, in your, in your, guys, in your guys' car. And it would be, our car would be full of gro- gro- groceries. And I know there were people providing those groceries that were sacrificing themselves and their own cupboards were a little bit less full because of their generosity. Okay, again, and even growing up in that world, you can have a lot or not have much and be really selfish and have a posture of giving God second best, giving God third best, giving God your leftovers. Again, whatever it is with our time, our treasure, our, our finances, or our talents, our gifts, what we do, God loves us too much to allow us to settle for giving him anything other then full surrender. And he calls this out in his people. And now let, let me say here in, in verse 10, okay, hopefully the heat is on a bit here. God says, I'm not interested in you playing church, but read verse 10 with me. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. That, okay, again, insert there, play church. Okay, they, oh, that someone would shut the doors so my people will stop playing church. 
Well, who's he calling out there? The priests, the pastors. The church can't play church unless the leadership participates in some way. So in many ways now, this sermon as a whole and continuing hopefully feels a bit like a call out. And, 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 and it's pointing right back toward me, toward the elders, toward the pastors. Jake, I thought about as your first, uh, you know, all right, yeah, you want to be called a pastor? All right, stand here front and center this whole sermon just preaching. No, but in all seriousness there, there is an indictment on, on the leaders of God's people. It is a high calling, and we right now and historically and throughout the whole time, God's people and those especially that he calls to lead his people in worship, to be lead worshipers, fail miserably. Okay, so pick up with me now as we all come under and submit to the indicting, implicating word of God. In chapter 2, we'll pick up there in verse 1. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces. Yes, dung means poop. Okay, in case we're not clear, I will spread poop on your faces, the poop of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. Okay, yeah, we can all get it out of our systems. We can laugh a little. God says poop. God has a sense of humor. But picture it too. He's saying, oh, priest, you think you're funny? You think you're tricking me by participating in playing church, by leading my people to play church? I'm going to wipe poop on your faces. Again, why, God? Why would you even say that? That seems kind of silly. Well, again, in their context, okay, anyone here who hunts? I was thinking of Brandon Corwin. Actually, he might be hunting right now. But, you know, hunting season, Matt Tillman, I know, is a hunter. We got hunters, my son, hunter education class. All right, I got to up my game there. My son went to hunter's education class without me. So I need to go to class, and then we can go hunting together. But when you hunt, so I'm told, you, 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 don't, you, you clear out all the stuff, all the entrails, all the intestines, all the stuff, right? You don't, like, I'm used to getting meat in a little package with, like, you know, plastic over it. But when it's first killed, there's all kinds of the stuff has to be taken away, including, again, the dung, all the entrails, all the intestines, all the gross stuff. And so when the God's people would come and would offer a sacrifice to him, they were getting so lazy, they would just bring it and plop it on the altar and burn it, and the smoke would go up as this image of an offering acceptable to God with the dung and everything. And what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to clear it out, clean it out, and then take it outside of the camp, and out there it would be burned and taken care of. And God says, you didn't deal with the, the stuff with the dung, I'm going to wipe it on your faces, and then I'm going to take you where it's supposed to be, because your worship is insincere and pathetic anyway. It's not real, so I'm going to take you to make you remember that you are unacceptable. You're playing with my name. You're despising my name. You are not only not fully surrendered, you're not surrendered at all. You're not obeying my commandments. You're smearing my name, and now I'm going to smear your face. 
Again, God cares too much about his people to let us settle for any other view of him. So again, what does this look like in our day? Okay, I want us to press in, and there might be some kind of mutual, again, implication and indictment here for us. There's often, in church as a whole, and we are not exempt from it, Redemption Tucson, of a dysfunctional codependency that often goes on between church leadership and church attenders or congregants. It can look like this kind of idea, well, you say some things that are, yes, maybe sometimes a little bit provocative, but for the most part, make us feel good. You don't say the hard things. You say the things that we're going to say amen to or we're going to agree with. And, and then what we'll do is we'll divide up churches so there are different demographics, different political views represented over here, and then other churches that we're not going to get too close or ask too many questions. Yeah, they're Christians, but they've really got it wrong on most fronts. And if you really press us, we might even say maybe they're Christians, maybe not, whatever. We're going to divide up, and we're all going to say stuff to each other that in, in our own little huddles, our own little holy huddles, where we're going to feel really comfortable, and, and we can all agree together, and, and, and it'll feel nice, and, and we'll stay separated, and, and we'll give you Christmas cards and pat on the head and we'll snuggle and and you keep doing your thing and we'll keep doing our thing and we'll keep coming and does that make you sick it makes god sick it's playing church right we joked last week about maybe we don't need to go to two services if we start preaching the truth of god's word and people stop coming oh, that we would celebrate if that's the case. Not because we don't want anyone here, not because we were gonna, you know, try to be so cool that we're trying to, you know, there's the door, don't come, whatever. No, we're gonna remain loving and we're gonna be kind, we're gonna put out welcome mats, but we are told from scripture that the cross of Jesus Christ is a stumbling block. It is offensive and it's foolishness to some. To the religious, it's offensive, to the self-proclaimed wise, it's foolish. Okay, what does this look like for us? Again, we need to press in here because this is real for us. We could be playing church. We could be, we could be um, thinking that God's word and that our offerings to him, that our worship of him is something that we have control over and we can decide what to say and what not to say. All right, we, we need to take this seriously. What does it look like? It looks like um, three dangers that we fall into. It looks like capitulating with culture, growing comfortable, or being neutral. Let me walk through these one, one at a time. Capitulating with culture. What does that mean? Any culture. Okay, hear me right now. Culture is not one thing that's somewhere out there, the boogeyman. We're the church. They're the culture. As long as we don't capitulate to culture, well, hear me. There are many, many cultures. Insert this word for culture, kingdom. We are in danger of capitulating to other kingdoms. Church, if we feel too comfortable, if we slide too neatly into any other culture, it's because we are participate, we are bowing down to some other king and participating of the worship of that kingdom. We've walked through these things before. In some contexts, it looks like this. What does that look like in our day? 
Two, though there are many dominant cultures that we could participate in the worship of. One, it could look like this. Well, as long as we're over here and we really stand strong and we talk about a strong sexual ethic, because the Bible talks about that, we talk about a strong sexual ethic and about what that means and, and who designed marriage and who defines marriage and, 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 and who that is between and who that is among. And, and so, yeah, we're going to say those things and we're going to agree with those things. And then we also talk about a concern for the unborn and we, and we press in there and we talk about um, God's heart and his word about protecting the most vulnerable and the unborn being the most vulnerable Yes, that is all true, and we, we stand there, and, that, and there are certain cultures and demographics and groups of people where we say that, and we get a lot of amens and pats on the back, and of course, that, that, of course that's Christian. Of course we can worship and say those things, but we start talking about um, uh, the, the foreigner or the, the sojourner or the undocumented immigrant among us. We start talking about the poor. We start talking about injustice in economic structures. We start talking about racial reconciliation. Whoa, 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 this is church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, we have a king in a kingdom who talks a lot about those things in his word. And where that's happening, and like in Ephesians 1, we're going to do the same. Oh, but this is church. Well, you were okay with those other things. You said amen. And then hopefully you can see that in other contexts, right, we start talking about a concern for, for the poor and the marginalized and racial reconciliation. I've got neighbors and members of my own family who would, who would fill this place out if that's all we talked about. But we start talking about sexual ethics or lordship or Jesus saying he's the only way, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. Whoa, 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 that's bigoted. It's difficult. Jesus himself says the way that leads to life is narrow and difficult, and those who find it are few. The way that leads to destruction is wide and easy, and those who find it are many. We are in danger of capitulating. Again, choose your side. But either way, it's another kingdom with another king. And growing too comfortable, we could so easily say, well, here in Redemption downtown Tucson, we do this thing well. We sing this kind of music well. We gather this kind of people easily. We're just going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing us. It's more easy this way. If we talk about both of those, those, those temptations to capitulate with different cultures, then, you know, we're going to draw less of the people who just come and we're going to draw, you know, we're, we're just going to keep doing what's more comfortable for us. We're going we're gonna to leave overseas to other churches because, you know, our, our people don't, don't do that. We do other stuff. We're not going to talk about giving financially because our church gives in other ways. We're not going to really talk about that. We're going to do what we do well. And then thirdly, we just become really, really neutral. After I said that, remember, I kind of did the throw up. We're, we're told that that's what happens. When God's people become neutral or lukewarm, he has no appetite for that. He spits it out. Let this be a warning for us, church. So in closing, I want us to be left with a warning, again, from the New Testament. It's not just the Old Testament. 
he warns, he warns these false priests that they're holding on to their lineage, their heritage. He talks about, uh, he talks about the priests, the, the, the first priests from the tribe of Levi and how faithful they were because they stood strong on God's word. But, but, but this church has now forgotten their ways. These people, these priests have forgotten their ways and, and, and he warns them about that. And it's not just an Old Testament thing. In the New Testament, in Second. Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to a young church, perhaps a lot like ours, a diverse group of people, old, younger, different, you know, socioeconomic, different ethnic backgrounds, a young pastor, probably like me, who loves to be loved and wants to be wanted and wants to do all the things, and, and, and Paul is warning him, and this is what he says, preach the word. But God, what do we do? What do we do with now? What do we do with this problem? What do we do with that problem? How do we preach the word? Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Okay, that's the indictment on us. Now, now church, this breaks my heart to share this is a reality we're facing and the times that we're in is like this. For the time is coming, I would say is now here, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Church, our commitment to you, mine, the elders, the leaders, the pastors, and I pray our commitment together is that we will close the doors before we ever would simply seek to itch people's ears. To simply, and again, it can happen on any, on the far right, the far left, on this and that, that we would fall down whichever slippery slope, that we would stop preaching the word of God and trusting that through the Holy Spirit, hearts will be transformed, we will all be led to repentance. We will all be led to faith in Jesus. There are such dangers. Again, many of us in this room, tempted, wooed, solicited a bill of goods that will lead to destruction, that will lead us away, the renewing, transforming word of God. So as we close, let's walk through this list together. I think it's about five ways I want to ask you to consider whether or not we're fully surrendered. Do we give leftovers, give God our leftovers, our time, our treasure, our talents? Do we hold back our offerings in any way? Secondly, do we capitulate to culture, to any culture? Do we participate in the worship of any other king in any other kingdom? Are we complicit in sin? Do we stay silent? Again, hear me, it can happen anywhere. Okay, at the MLK march, we're just there and we're talking. This has happened with our neighbors came with us last year and there are things that, yeah, I love this. I love that your church is all about this. I'm so glad there aren't enough churches that are about this and this and this. And then we start to say, oh, well, some of the things that you assumed were about because we're at this march, we're actually not. Oh, that got a little awkward, a little less comfortable. 
Or it can happen on this other side. Oh, we're saying this. Oh, I'm going to turn a deaf ear to, you know, racism. Hey, because these guys, at least they're for, at least they're pro-life, right? But I know they just said some racist stuff, so I'm going to turn a blind eye. Do we capitulate to any culture? Are we complicit to sin in that way? Third, do we add to the gospel? Yes, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, according to his scriptures alone, for his glory alone, and add these couple things to it, and then you'll really be a good Christian, right? And then just as, or maybe worse, do we take away from the gospel? Is it up there? Oh, it's not on the screen. It's there, though, okay? Do we take away from the gospel? Oh, this good news, be kind to your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself, do all these things, do the best you can, you know, um, all the, oh, but, you know, and, and then slowly, eventually, there's no room for God at the table. Do this, do that, do that, be kind, do this, say all these things, and then Jesus' exclusive call to put your faith in him alone all of a sudden, it's like, ah, that's not really nice. I don't want to say that part. <clears throat> Church, let's respond together in prayer that we would be a faithful, fully surrendered people to our faithful God. The reality now as we respond in worship is while we give him our lung, lung leftovers, he gives us himself. He's the perfect offering He's the perfect priest. And so as we repent, as we respond to the good news, let's pray together that we can be his fully surrendered people. Heavenly Father, we trust that you will lead us to repentance. Holy Spirit, my words are foolish and silly and futile and full of stuttering and but Lord, through your word, you can change us. You can renew us. You can bring life where otherwise there's death. So we leave now. We respond now in your hands. Lord, you do a work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.